All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. This week's episode, we have lots of sports to get to, starting with basketball and the NBA playoffs. As we're on the verge of the NBA Finals, conference finals are well underway to this point. We'll give our reactions to the latest from those two series in the East and the West. Before jumping into hockey, where the Stanley Cup Finals are officially underway with the Tampa Bay Lightning beating the Montreal Canadiens in Game 1. We'll give our expectations for the remainder of that series. We'll also talk some baseball, both collegiately and at the pro level. NC State removed from the College World Series due to positive COVID cases. We'll talk about the NCAA's decision, and we're going to talk about the sicky stuff. As we have our first official ejection and suspension at the major league level for a player being caught using a foreign substance. So we'll give our thoughts on uh, the latest with that. And we're also going to talk some soccer. We're going to talk about Euro 2020. Round of 16 is officially wrapped up. We have our final eight teams. We'll give our reactions to some of the biggest matches from the previous round and also look ahead to the quarterfinals. Finally, we'll wrap up this week's episode by paying tribute to our neighbors of the North uh, uh, to celebrate Canada Day coming up on July 1st, where we'll count down our top five favorite movies that were actually filmed in Canada. Uh, Some certainly surprising to us. There are a lot of movies that take place in the U.S., but weren't actually filmed here. So with that, let's get started. to talk a lot more sports in this episode. We got basketball, hockey, baseball, soccer coming your way. But before we get into that, I do want to admit for about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes yesterday, I did think that there was like a chance that I was about to go quasi-viral on Twitter because... Yeah, so yes, oh, yesterday at the time of recording, it was June 28th, and uh, I just found this tweet on my timeline that said on this day june 28th 1914 archduke ferdinand was assassinated so i saw that i was like hey we've talked about this on he's done it my twitter account is basically just a podcast at this point in terms of what i tweet and retweet so i went ahead and quote tweeted it and i uh, said his driver took a wrong turn down a side street leading the archduke to his demise and the event that started world war one it's considered to be one of the greatest mistakes ever made only behind the seahawks attempting a pass from the one yard line and then i tagged you and ben in the tweet because of course that was a callback to a top five we did way back in the ben and Corey podcast days in october 2018 of the greatest mistakes ever made 
my number one was the the wrong turn leading to Ferdinand's death, shot heard around the world, World War One, and with the world as we know it changes. And of course, you and uh, you and Brian had a different interpretation, or you and Ben had a different ben. interpretation. With, yeah, uh, I I, I clearly Bowl. think that running not running the ball at the one yard line is a bigger mistake than something that caused <laughs> something war related yeah you know I, th- I think we had fun with it at the time i was happy to do that callback i really didn't think much of it at first i was like all right maybe a few people will remember and like interact with it like you had come some comments to it um but yeah then the guy who actually put out that original ferdinand tweet retweeted it and no idea who he is, just some at McCocktail, but I looked at his account. He is 269.2 thousand followers. So I was like, oh man, because I started getting all these likes right away and then they just kind of stopped. So I don't know if he has 269.2 thousand followers and 268,000 of them are like have him muted or whatever because he's just kind of obnoxious just looking at his Twitter account. He was definitely tweeting a ton yesterday a lot of retweets from quote tweets and just a bunch of random other stuff but you know i I did did feel like maybe it would blow up um it didn't but at the same time it's still kind of a fun fun callback i did go back and listen to the episode our mic quality is completely i mean i don't i don't even want to listen to anything that far back yeah i uh, that's the first thing i'll think of i know jesus you guys let me on your podcast i sounded so bad yeah it like it made no sense to me um just like how i thought that was like good quality at the time so i won't necessarily recommend to go back and listen to it for that reason but if you're curious uh by you know our list and you're willing to suffer through it i guess uh i won't stop you so I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna listen to it. I'm gonna listen to myself like, oh god, that was me. I said that. <laughs> I had that mic quality. I don't yeah. even wanna yeah. think about it's, that. It's uh it's pretty bad. But anyway, let's uh let's jump into this. Let's talk about stuff from the present and let's start with the NBA playoffs as the conference finals are getting close to wrapping up, particularly in the Western Conference as game five was played last night with the Phoenix Suns having a chance to close out the Los Angeles Clippers at home in Game 5. And Paul George, he's stepped up in the second half. The Clippers, are they're still around. They're going back to Game 6 at home. And now you start to question, yeah, can we really see another 3-1 to one comeback in this series? I mean, yeah, that makes it six double-digit wins when trailing in a series in this postseason for the Clippers. So they definitely know what it takes to come back in a series. They're definitely re- been a resilient team in this postseason. And Paul George, I think he's been rightfully crapped on for his nickname as Playoff P and doesn't really show up. But I think in this postseason, he has pretty much shown up for the most part. He's played a total of 735 minutes. And the next highest... Uh, player in the postseason is Trey Young at 568. Granted, Paul George has played three more games than Trey Young, but if Trey Young played three full games in a row, he'd still be 23 minutes behind. So Paul George is definitely picking up the slack, uh, especially with Kawhi out. And so for that, it's even if the Clippers lose the series, I think Paul George is gaining going to gain a little bit more respect 
for showing up in the playoffs, unless if he blows out the free throw line again, like he did in game two. You know, he's he still had some moments this postseason, but that nickname Playoff P is it's no longer ironic right now. Like with the way that he's playing, just consistently every night, he's been leading this Clippers team. And no Kawhi Leonard, they needed him to step up to have any chance in this series, and he's certainly done what is needed of him and more. So. Is it crazy to think that the Clippers are now in the driver's seat and that like this is their series to lose at this point? I mean, maybe that's maybe that's going a little bit too far, but they definitely have a shot of coming back, especially three one series leads. I mean, so three to one is just the worst lead to have in the NBA. Yeah, it, it hasn't happened a ton historically, but it has happened a lot recently. The Clippers know all about it. Uh, but here's a fun fact. Three teams have come back from or have blown three to one leads multiple times in their history. One of them is a the Philadelphia 76ers. The other two, the Clippers, who did it last year after doing it in 2015, and the Phoenix Suns. So the Suns have done it twice back in, I think, 1970 and 1995. So it's been a while for the Suns and no one associated with the current team. But they could become the first team to have done it three times. And I guess the reason why I think it's now the Clippers series to lose is because they have momentum now going into game six at home. And I, I like the Clippers chances of winning a home game, keeping this series live, forcing game seven. And at that point they'd have even more momentum and yeah, Phoenix would be at home for game seven. Yeah. They have a veteran Chris Paul, but it's not like Chris Paul has a ton of playoff experience. The last time he played a home game seven, the Rockets missed what 27 straight three pointers against the Warriors in 2018. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton haven't been in that moment before they were able to, I guess not cruise by the the Lakers, but they did win three in a row. They didn't have to go to a game seven. They swept the Nuggets. So I, I do think at that point, the Clippers would kind of be the favorite. So that's why I say it's their series to lose. Obviously, I don't think that it's a lock that they're going to win game six. I could absolutely see Phoenix coming out and, you know, after maybe feeling like they had things in hand, they go into L.A. and they close it out there. But if this gets to game seven, I feel like the Clippers are going to be favors to win even on the road. You can make a case that the Suns could have lost the series in five if it weren't for a perfect inbound pass by Crowder in game two and then the Clippers just abysmal shooting in game four gave the Suns a win they shot 16 percent from the three-point line and I know the Suns didn't do much better but the free throw line the Clippers shot 65 percent yeah yeah those are freebies 80 84 80 final score like that's just not something that we've seen in the last 10 15 years in the uh the NBA playoffs definitely kind of like a throwback to the the Pistons Spurs finals 2005 and 90s postseason before they realized oh you actually get more points when you shoot a three-pointer all the time but yeah it was just really really bad second half basketball for the Clippers so they they certainly have dug themselves a hole at this point but it would not be shocking to see them come out of it. I, I don't know how fair it is to attribute this stat to Ty Lue, but in his career, he is 10-2 and two in elimination games, and he's 3-0 and this postseason, so those are the three that don't include LeBron James. Yeah, I'm not sure how seriously to take that, but, I mean, maybe Ty Lue is a good coach after all, and it's not wasn't it wasn't just all about LeBron when he was in Cleveland. I mean, it was mostly yeah. about LeBron, but maybe some of his coaching uh, definitely, probably helped i don't know he seems to be an upgrade over doc rivers given that he's taken the clippers further than doc did and that in this postseason he survived longer than doc did so another reason 
why it, to support your argument that the Clippers can come back and win this series. I remember the last time we talked about the about this series, I, I mentioned that I didn't think it was possible for the Clippers to win this series without Kawhi and having Reggie Jackson as your second best scorer. He looked really good in Game Five. Like that might have changed my mind a little bit the way he looked. In See, that game. he, yeah, he's a guy who in these big moments has stepped up and he's just played like he did, I don't know, six years ago, whatever, when he was traded to the Pistons and he was like the number one guy on a terrible Detroit team. So yeah, the the Clippers have a lot of these guys that were kind of like cast off from other rosters. You even look at um, Nicholas Batum, who the, the, like oh, the yeah, worst Batum contract in the terrible. league. He's he's held his yeah, own as a Charlotte. starter for the Clippers. Terrence Mann was a second round pick. He's stepped up in big moments. So I I think that whatever the Clippers have going on right now is working. And in my head, they're kind of a super team because of Kawhi and Paul George, but they're not because they don't have Kawhi Leonard right now. And you look at the rest of the roster; they have a bunch of guys on like minimum deals. It's not like they're you know, they're this loaded team. Phoenix is more of a super team than they are. So uh, I I do think that it's, it's pretty remarkable how the Clippers have been able to play like they have and survive as long as they have given a lot of the injuries that have plagued them recently. Yeah. Reggie Jackson is now instead of Mr. October (laughs) in baseball, he's Mr. June June. in in the NBA. Another thing to mention uh, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, I mean, I was obviously super high on, this year and they've even even exceeded my expectations of them where they're one game away from the NBA finals but at the same time I feel like they're they're now maybe a, a little overrated I mean yeah if you I the, totally if you look at their that. past series okay I know you don't uh have any sympathy for LeBron but they they beat the Lakers without AD for some of that series and then they beat the Nuggets without I know it was in four games but it was without Jamal Murray yeah. And then they're one game away from the NBA Finals with the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I love, I'm all in on the Suns for the, uh, for this year as a bandwagon fan. But at the same time, I don't know how legitimate all their series wins are right now. It's it's very fair to question uh, everything, just given their path. Where like, yes, they're a really good team, but they've also they've been dealt a pretty good hand when it comes to their opponents uh, missing their best or second best player. So I do think that it's a, it's definitely been beneficial to the Suns and their opponent in the NBA finals. If they do end up closing out the Clippers in either game six or game seven could potentially have some kind of injury issue, depending on who it is, given that the Atlanta Hawks recently saw Trey young, suffer a very unfortunate ankle injury stepping on a referee's foot but milwaukee after losing game one does kind of feel like they're in the driver's seat regardless at this point yeah that was a really unfortunate injury and i'm sure people uh on social media were saying well the refs are definitely on milwaukee's side yeah uh yeah i uh it Atlanta has had a lot of sports disappointments and it feels like the five seeded Hawks being in the Eastern conference finals shouldn't be subject to that. But I guess this could certainly be a factor if Trey young just is proven to not be the kind of player that he has been for most of this postseason because of that injury. Although we did see the Hawks win game seven against the Philadelphia 76ers without, but Trae that was young probably mostly because best. of Philly. 
and not Atlanta. Yeah, and Milwaukee. I think, I think in game one, I think it was Charles Barkley said they looked like they were treating it like game fifty-two of the regular season instead of game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. And then in game two, they come out and they win by what, like thirty-six? They're up by forty, which was at really one point. predictable. Yeah, they just they given totally that Atlanta won, and they they probably didn't even expect to win a ser- uh a game uh, in in that stretch of the two home games in Milwaukee. So they probably thought, you know what, we'll just take a scheduled loss here, in game <laughs> yeah. two, and then and try to move on, get a win in game three. But then in game three, they didn't. Pull but yeah, the then win. yeah, but then in game three, it looked like Milwaukee. I I know they only won by fourteen, but I felt like Milwaukee had total control of that game. I mean, Chris Middleton scored 20 points in the fourth quarter and Atlanta scored, the Atlanta 17. Hawks yeah, scored he 17. Outscored them. Yeah. Has, has Chris Middleton grown on you? I know he's one of the guys yeah. we've had back so, and forth opinions I know, of over the years. So I know you're higher on Middleton than I am. I never said Middleton sucked. Let me get that out of the way. I, I feel I've just like you have. Thought, I thought, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe a little, but I, I just thought he was overrated. The guy who I thought sucked was Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, well, I mean, I he actually does trade. suck. The... I was all for that trade for Drew Holiday. I, I, I feel like every time the Bucks play the Celtics, Air Bloodsoe would be nowhere to be found, and then Chris Middleton would be the opposite, where he would just kill the Celtics. Yeah, well, Eric Bledsoe was like, the guy who didn't know who Terry Rozier was, and they yeah, and, Drew and then he, they lost like in five, and then Terry Rozier shows up with a Drew Bledsoe jersey. Yeah, <laughs> the next series, which is great. But yeah. yeah I, <laughs> So when it comes to Chris Middleton, I just thought he was overrated. Uh, now, I mean, I think he's their best scorer. Does is that a yeah? Oh, good opinion I, I, to have? I think that's totally I reasonable. I don't agree. Giannis with... can put up points, but he t- it, it requires a lot of shots and a very specific type of shot for him to be able to score. Chris Middleton having that three the... point arsenal and also the ability to get to the basket. Like I think that he does. I think a lot of people think he's overrated just because of Giannis, but like, I I don't know. It's, it's weird to me because to me, Chris Middleton is like a top 20 player in the NBA at least. And I don't think he would be the number one player on a championship team. He's very much a number two guy, but he could be the best player on a playoff team. And I think when you throw in Giannis with Chris Middleton and then now you add Drew Holiday, who you mentioned, you just end up with a Bucks team that it's finally what they need to get to where they've struggled to the past couple seasons. And I, you know, it, we talked about it when the, they, they pulled off the Nets victory. They got to face Atlanta. It's like, they, they're the team who has to win the finals right now. And I think when they, when they show up to play and they play at their best and they, they know that they have to win a game that they're going to be a tough out regardless of who they play the rest of this postseason. So, um, I'll admit I have nothing, <laughs> nothing else. I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. So we are recording this before Game Four. I do think that Milwaukee is going to pull this out, and that they're also going to win Game Five. We've seen the I, Bucks in the past drop Game One and then win four in a row. Um, so it, this kind of feels like they're it's they're they're in control at this point. I I also agree. I even before the Clippers Suns Game Five happened, uh, the Suns over the Clippers at three to one and the Bucks over the Hawks at two to one, I would lean with, uh, I would have said the Bucks would finish their series quicker than Phoenix just yeah. because, <laughs> because well, I, 
What do you I think mean it's by end that? At five. You mean in in real life, like calendar days? No, not or? so not in real life. I mean amount of games. Okay, that's what I meant. To okay, say. I should have said that. I should have clarified that better. Yeah, because yeah. I think so. The schedule it's off because game seven for the Clippers and the Suns, if it gets there, would be Friday, July second. Game six for Hawks Bucks wouldn't even be till the next day, Saturday, July third. So yeah, so I didn't mean real time. I definitely meant. But that being said, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, at this point, I think that Clippers Suns is going seven. I think the Bucks are going to finish the Hawks off in five. So I do yeah, think that. And I, I agree with both of those. So. Points. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, next time we talk, we'll know who's in the NBA Finals, and we'll we'll be able to give a more uh, more reactionary take to that rather than yeah, this is what we think could happen the rest of the way. But um, let's kind of move on and talk about other NBA news involving some of the recent head coaching hires. And let's start with our Boston Celtics hiring Ime Udoka. They officially announced that just a couple days ago. So not a guy that either of us had thrown out. Uh, at least I don't remember you suggesting him. But I think he kind of fits the the criteria of what we were yeah, looking he, for. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely fits, uh, fits the criteria to be a the coach that – I wanted the Celtics to hire. I remember when we talked about the the Danny Ainge quote unquote retirement and the Brad Stevens quote unquote promotion. I I remember when we were talking about like which coaches should they be looking for. I remember saying that they got to look for someone that's in their forties, African American, previous coaching experience, and a coach that can relate to the players. And I think he fits that bill. I mean, he has nine years. He has nine years of coaching experience as an assistant, and seven of them are with Greg Popovich in San Antonio. And the reason why I think that's that's important, I mean, obviously Greg Popovich is a, one of the best coaches of all time, but I think Brad Stevens and Greg Popovich have mutual admiration for for each other as as coaches in the league or former coaches in the league for Brad Stevens' case. And Ime Udoka, he also knows Horford from his one year in Philly. And then he also knows Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum from the, from team USA for the FIBA world cup a couple of years ago. So he, he even knows these guys. And so I think, I think it's great that they got someone that can get the approval from not just the players and push the players, but also gets the approval from Brad Stevens, given that he has had coaching experience with Popovich yeah, you basically just summed up everything there. I uh, I totally agree. I think this is a very smart hire for the Celtics. I like the the they got a guy who has that long head or assistant coaching experience. Like he's paid his dues and being around Greg Popovich, like you mentioned. You look at Greg Popovich's coaching tree. So many guys around the league. I know Mike Budenholzer. I'm pretty sure oh, yeah, Monty the, Williams came from him. The, the only guy and on both that of them list, are still in it. Like the only guy on that coaching tree list that I liked was Quinn Snyder. Other than that, they're either coaches that people I've never heard of. So they probably got fired or they're guys like Brett Brown. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm trying to find his coaching. Or Mike Budenholzer. Well, Brett Brown did get fired, but Mike Budenholzer, I know he's in Milwaukee and they're still playing right now, but I don't know how much. Is I love he going to like coach. win the NBA finals and get fired? Because it feels <laughs> that, like people that, still that think that, that Milwaukee mind, job is going to open up. And I, I, I don't really understand the, the coach bud hate personally but 
Yeah, he, I mean, people were saying that he was going to get fired if they didn't win that series, and <laughs> it would be funny if that actually did happen, where they win it all. Yeah, but he still loses his job. Well, James Borrego, he's the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. I believe he comes from the Coach Pop tree. Um, he's someone who's had—I mean, he hasn't been around very long, but they're definitely uh, liking him, especially after the success he had this season. So I think to me, that's an exciting thing is having that connection. And like you mentioned, the world cup is a big deal, uh, even though that the Celtics players kind of struggled and USA obviously disappointed at that compared to what we were used to seeing them do in the Olympics. But having that connection, Yudoka has said he's very excited to work with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The only thing that's disappointing about this hire is that I was all in on Chauncey Billups and I mean, I mean, I was a huge fan of Chauncey Billups when he was a player and he was a good analyst and he was a guy that was the best player on a team that won it all. So I feel like he was some he could have been someone that could have really pushed Brown and Tatum and letting them know like, hey, this is how I did it when I won it all. But just because he was a better player than Ime Yudoka was, that doesn't mean he's a better coach. I mean, look at Jason Kidd. He's a Hall of Fame point guard, and he might be the worst coach I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I guess that's kind of a good segue into other head coach hires. So you mentioned Jason Kidd. He was just hired by the Dallas Mavericks as they kind of clean house a little with uh, their their GM and head coach leaving. Rick Carlisle goes from Dallas to Indiana, which a year ago I said the Pacers was the least attractive head coaching job. I do like Rick Carlisle. I think he's a good guy to go there. And then you mentioned Chauncey Billups, who was just recently hired by the Portland Trailblazers. And that has certainly had some controversies come to it. And I know we talked about Billups and liking him. Um, So I know that there's a lot of backlash being received right now. And I don't know how much of that is like Damian Lillard wanting out because of the Chauncey Billups hire, but there's definitely like that's being thrown in there. There's a lot of people questioning Billups being hired because of his, uh, you know, the, the sexual assault allegations against him and the fact yeah, that he was like hired. From like 1997. Yeah. When they from were... 1997. But Man, it's, I... it's still coming up and it, there's, it, they had a press conference today with Billups where he was asked about it. And uh, I guess, I, I didn't see the full clip. I just saw the clip of, or I guess the full press conference. I just saw the clip that was being shared of the Blazers brass saying, we already answered this, move on when somebody was asked him about it and what he learned from it. Um, but I, I do think that there'd be a lot of backlash I, I just if remember... the Celtics had hired Billups. So like, I'm I'm okay with another team doing that, especially the fact that he only has one year as an assistant coach. Like you said, like we don't know that he'd necessarily be a great coach just because he was a better player. I remember seeing that 1997 incident on his Wikipedia page during the hiring process, and I'm thinking, oh, man, whoever hires him, that that, that random thing is going to be brought up just because it's on his Wikipedia page. And Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. yeah, I think it's it's kind of been known around league circles. Like, there, I think there's, there's certainly a lot of questions about it, and I understand a lot of people not loving the hire for that reason, but I think... My my question is, how much does that really play into some of these reports about Damon Lillard? Who I think that I think for Lillard that'd be absurd, a, an absurd reason to want to be. Well, because he I really like wanted Jason he, Kidd. I feel as like head he coach. should be. I feel like he should want to be traded because they don't have enough around him, not because of who they hired. I, I agree with that. I do think that there should be plenty of reasons. Uh, he basically reached out to Chris Haynes, who was his guy at Yahoo Sport, had him put out a little press release saying that 
Uh, Damian Lillard loves the Portland fans, but doesn't like some of the backlash he's been received, uh, you know, from fans recently. I guess fans just calling him out or something about wanting to leave, or I, I don't, I don't know exactly with that. But he also said that he wasn't really involved in the head coach hiring process, which feels like he should have some involvement, given that he's the face of the franchise and the 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 Trailblazers. I think it was Neil Olshey, their GM, who was at the press conference. He said that yeah, they they talked to Dame. He was on the calls when with their three finalists for the head coaching position. So I, I do think that there's more to it. I agree. I we talked about this a couple weeks ago, saying that it wouldn't be shocking for Lillard to decide he wants to leave after he put on a show against the Nuggets in game five and they still lost in double overtime yeah it shouldn't have anything to do with who they hired as a head coach I, I mean unless it were Jason Kidd then I'd probably or Dan well, he Campbell. said he wanted Jason Kidd like that's <laughs> it was yeah I don't know I I do think it's kind of inevitable at this point that Lillard is want, gonna want out of Portland and I think that's going to make Billups's job that much tougher given that the Trailblazers are they're not a playoff team without Damian Lillard like they have no, talent, it, but it's it's gonna fall. I mean, apart they're a, they're a borderline them. playoff team with. Lillard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were at the six seed this year, so the the West is too tough for them to to give him up and not get a ton of value back. Um, I think there are a lot of teams that are being thrown out. I know the Sixers are one that you know everyone wants them to send Ben Simmons and get Lillard. I I don't know that that they're gonna be able to pull it off. To me, the Knicks feel like they have a lot of assets given that they have a ton of draft picks. Emmanuel Quickly, who really emerged as a point guard, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. I, they to me, I think that that would be the destination that is most likely for Damian Lillard. I mean, I I couldn't tell you the most like I don't, I have no idea. Like I guess. Yeah, I guess the Knicks would be an option. I the Celtics have been thrown out as an option where they would send Brown and Smart. I've seen that report. Yeah, I don't think that I don't I don't think that's realistic. No, I don't I don't think that it's going to happen with the Celtics. Um, I, I honestly couldn't think of other teams outside of the Sixers or Knicks. And then for the Sixers, yeah, it wouldn't. It'd be Ben Simmons, but it'd have to be a lot more than that. Yeah, and well. they they definitely have the draft picks because they almost traded for James Harden. I know Heat fans want Lillard in Miami, but I don't think that Tyler Hero, Duncan Wouldn't Robinson. Would you have to trade Adebayo? Yeah, they'd probably have to trade Bam Adebayo to get him. And to, at that point, does that make sense? Like, is that really? You'd have a great backcourt, but you'd have no front court. Yeah. So uh, I do think if he goes, like, that's my official prediction is that he'll be a New York Nick and he'll be like that first superstar. And since Mello to arrive in New York, we'll see what that means for that that franchise moving forward after their playoff appearance this season but yeah so that's uh that's where we're at with some new head coach hires i think new orleans job is still open and there there might be one other orlando i don't think has but i'm pretty sure that they're moving they're potentially gonna bring uh penny hardaway in from memphis university they should bring back uh stan van yeah, I don't think I don't think he's getting another shot. I think he's going back to the TNT booth. He's gonna see if he can con another team into to hiring him like he did the Pelicans. It's like Gruden, where I I love both of those guys, but I want them to stay in the booth because if they're head coaches, it doesn't look like it turns out well. But as because as analysts in the booth, I love I love both. I think yeah, they're, they're both very both entertaining, very knowledgeable, but. Yeah, they're uh, they're head coaches. But as coaches, it it, yeah. it hasn't worked, worked no. out for either of them. No, not 
Not or at least totally. recently. Yeah, I mean, I mean Gruden. It's been a, a long time since he had a ton of success with Tampa and won a Super Bowl. So, all right, that'll wrap up the basketball talk. Let's uh, let's jump into hockey now. So Stanley Cup Finals are underway. Game one, Tampa Bay Lightning knock off the Montreal Canadiens five to one. So last time we had this conversation, neither of these teams had clinched their berths in the the. Stanley Cup Finals. I think we were both rooting for a New York Vegas series, and said we get Tampa Montreal. Uh, so I don't know. And, and th- this hurts we, more than me because the Canadians are rivals with the Bruins, and then the Lightning just own the Bruins anytime they play them. So this is as bad of a series as it gets for me personally. Yeah, I, I don't want to root for root either for, of these teams. When you're forced to root for the Lightning, that's when you know it's right. It's a. It's not good. No, and my issue with the Canadians is less that they're like they're the Canadians. It's more that they're the worst team to make the playoffs, and the fact that they're in the finals right now. Yeah. I, I just. I don't know. I. I just don't yeah, love they, that. Yeah, I. I that part I agree with. When it comes to their roster, I actually do like their roster. They have players that I Cole actually Caulfield. genuinely enjoy. Yeah, Cole Caulfield. No, Cole Tyler Caulfield. Toffoli. I've said it a million times as a stud. And I wish the Bruins picked him up, but they didn't. Carey Price in goal, of course. Carey Price is one of the best goalies in the league. And I actually thought he played kind of well, even though they gave up five goals. I thought he made some there good were moments saves. in that game where I thought until, obviously until uh, the third period, I feel I felt like he did a pretty good job for the most part. But Tampa's just way too good. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I, I think it, that both of us agree in the sense that we're rooting for Tampa. So I've been I've been thinking about it and trying to figure out how this series is going to go. So game four is Monday, July 5th. We're going to record another episode, actually in person, I guess is kind of a little plug for that on, you know, sometime that week. But likely before game five is played on, I think, Thursday, July 8th. Um, actually, it might be Wednesday, July 7th, but we'll still probably record before the game at that point. So if there's a sweep, if Tampa wins the next three, which is very likely, although you know the Canadians keep surprising everybody, then we'll know, like, yeah, the Lightning won it all. We'll have to talk about them. But if it isn't over in four games, so this series, the latest it would go is Sunday, July 11th. And I'm on vacation that entire week after that. So we're not going to have another podcast after that for another like week and a half after the series ends. So we just might not have to talk about it and just not acknowledge either of these teams as winners if the Lightning don't pull off a sweep. So, I mean, if it's Montreal, I don't really want to acknowledge. Yeah, right. Like, I don't really I don't know. I I, I part of me wants the then, Lightning to sweep it, just so we do have that content. But at the same time, I, I don't I don't feel like I have to it, acknowledge it. And then if it's Tampa, it's like wow, great. The yeah, they won it again. Team won the the overwhelmingly stacked best team in the league. Won it all. That's that's nice. They're officially not bubble frauds, by the way. Regardless oh, yeah, of how the series goes out, like they, I mean, I've picked them to win the Stanley Cup like six years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they, finally, finally it came through. But yeah, and it, it looks and that, like it's gonna happen again. Um, I, yeah, I mean it. I don't think that the Canadians are going to get swept because I think that no, they're going to find a way to win a game or two. I, I know were, everyone's saying lightning in five, but they were sort of in that game in game one. Cause it was two nothing. And then Carey price makes a ridiculous save uh, to keep it a two nothing lead. And then 
uh, Sherratt gets the goal that bounces off like three other dudes, like a pinball machine, and it makes it a 2-1 game. And that's kind of the way to beat a team that's a lot more talented than you is you try to get in their heads and you try to frustrate them. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're back in it. And I don't think it'll be a sweep, but I expect the Lightning to win. Yeah, I mean the the Canadians have totally defied the odds throughout the the postseason. Oh yeah, they have. This they have coming they back have, from three to one down against Toronto. They got the biggest horseshoe up yeah, their ass. Sweeping, right now. yeah, sweeping the Jets, and then of course beating the the Golden Knights like they did in six games. Uh, I think everyone thought their fairy tale ending was gonna, you know, there was it was only a matter of time once they left the the Canadian borders, and yeah, obviously I, I that wasn't, didn't happen. So I wasn't surprised that. <laughs> well, one that they came back three one from the Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs are the biggest chokers in probably all the sports, and then Winnipeg is Winnipeg's not that great. There, no, so it, I know. Uh, I think that's kind of what everyone realizes. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Winnipeg's not that much better than Montreal. Like, yeah, yeah we so didn't necessarily I, think. A I sweep, actually expected but... Montreal to beat Winnipeg, but but when they, once they faced Vegas, I that's when I thought it was over for them. Yeah. So and 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 now it's I think it's easy to say all right, but yeah, Tampa's actually the best team in the league. But you know, we said that kind of about Vegas after they beat Colorado. So Yeah, but the di- I guess the difference is is that Vegas is kind of a sneaky kind of a choking team now while Tampa won it all True. last year. Yeah, they and they are becoming They got better. over that hump uh t- in Tampa's case, they got over the hump of being that talented team that does a, that does great in the regular season but eventually will lose. The Lightning also have the best goal in the league probably in Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, Carey Price might be the <laughs> he He's one of the best goalies in the league, but he might not even be the best goalie in the series. Yeah. Just, just nuts. Yeah, he's uh, definitely an upgrade over Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, in the, at least in the sense that I don't think he's going to make bad mistakes like Fleury did in that last series. Yeah, it was a shame that Vegas lost that game because Montreal had no business winning that game, and it would have been nice to see a Game 7. I would have much rather seen a Tampa-Vegas Stanley Cup Finals at the very least. Because yeah, they're the two most talented teams in the league. Uh, arguably, maybe maybe Colorado's in that mix, but it's those three. Are you familiar with the New York strip, or I guess the Long Island strip club scene? <laughs> I, looks no. Like a no. Well, so I the wait wait Long Island strip club scene. Yeah. Well, no, I mean I I've been to a you, strip club in New York, but not. But it not wasn't Long on Island. Long Island. I feel no. like Long Island is probably not the place to go to a strip club in New York. Um, I was just thinking because like. Tampa, Montreal, and Vegas are three of the biggest strip club cities in oh, North America. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so I was just wondering if it was all four, if like there was just something about about that. Um, if there was something about the capital, the capitals of strip clubs, yeah, being, have, have anything to do with? with the, the I final mean, I remember Stanley Cup teams. I remember when Vegas had their first year in the league, and they were actually good, and they made, obviously made the playoffs and almost won it all. My. Uh, conspiracy theory was the reason why they won so many home games was because all the visiting teams traveling to Vegas like hey we haven't played in Vegas ever and they're they're just out partying but the night before a game and seems that's totally why reasonable was so good at home yeah but the thing is like that's not as much of a thing this year like you know with, with uh that's being able to true. go out places at least very recently so uh, I don't well, that know was that... that that was that year I, I mean yeah true this that was year, 2018 yeah so I mean this year now they're like a legitimately good team. Yeah, but like it just saying in general, like I don't think that that has anything to do like it like the nightlife thing is it just like all these teams go on the road. They're like, yeah, let's we'll go out the night before, which seems like 
a really bad strategy against the Lightning or the Golden Knights, who are actually really good teams. And I seriously doubt that Canada, who there are questions whether they'd even let hockey teams into the country, is a is a a pop in nightlife scene right now. So, but I, I, it's, one, I, it's something yeah. to think about. It is, it is. I know it's that was one thing. I was like, oh yeah, we get a Tampa Montreal, we get a nice strip club series. I was like, well, we kind of had that with Montreal Vegas, and we also could have had that with Tampa Vegas. So it's not really as special as I so thought it was. But now Long. it's like, oh, the Final Four, that's maybe. Why you yeah. Long <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll need you to you know go on a research assignment there and let us know what you think. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to baseball now. Let's start with the college game. Let's talk about the College World Series. So, I have somewhat been following the NCAA baseball tournament since the beginning. Uh, I did watch some of South Carolina's games. Did not last very long, and I've. I've been aware of what's been going on to this point. And one thing that it became apparent was that the NC State Wolfpack, who were not uh, one of the top 16 ranked teams, I don't even think they were a number one seed. They might have been. I think they were number two. They, uh, they're, they're on a pretty special run right now. They, they knocked off the number one overall seed, Arkansas, in the Super Regionals. And then they really had a lot of success during their time in Omaha in the College World Series. But then they had a COVID outbreak hit the team. And they had to face Vanderbilt with only 13 eligible players. They were playing a pitcher at first base. It was a really tough situation for them, but they still rallied, and they almost won, losing 3-1. to one. And then a few hours later, Saturday, 2.10 a.m., the NCAA announced that NC State was ineligible to continue in the tournament because of positive COVID cases. And I'm kind of wrestling with this one. So my, my first question to you is how much of this like, are you actually familiar with like in terms of this story, like following it all, understanding anything? I mean, I'll admit not too much. I mean, it, it feels like there's similarities between – do you remember the NCAA basketball tournament when VCU – had yeah, to, they had, they were forced to forfeit because they had their COVID outbreak. Was it? It's kind of like that, right? Where so, I guess kind of like that, but it's it's also very different. Uh, now, on the one hand, it's hard for me to totally sympathize with NC State, given that most of their team was unvaccinated. That's why they only had thirteen players who were able to, you know, participate in that game against Vanderbilt, but. At the same time, the NCAA, it's just it's it's another reason to just hate on them because of the hypocrisy that's also surrounding it. So after the game that they let NC State's vaccinated players play in, they decided to test the vaccinated players, which went against the tournament's COVID protocols. Like you wouldn't have to be tested every day if you're vaccinated, uh, but they decided to do it anyway, and there were. A, I think four asymptomatic positive test cases that came out of the vaccinated players. So that was why they decided to kick NC state out of the tournament. And you know what? Fine. I get that, that you're gonna like these guys had COVID and there's, there's obviously dangerous. Like it's a reminder that the pandemic isn't over yet, but at the same time, Vanderbilt's players were not subject to testing despite, you know, being in contact with these players 
the day before, you know, the day of. They didn't go out and test Vanderbilt's players for whatever reason. That's that's crazy. Yeah, the NCAA made the announcement at 2.10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, just trying to hide it, like perfect time for that news dump. And their official Twitter account was bragging about having 20,000 fans in attendance. And the fans weren't wearing masks. They weren't being tested on at the gates. So it's just it's just a lot of hypocrisy for the NCAA. And to me... It is a great excuse to just continue hating on them. While at the same time, it's like, all right, NC State players, you kind of did this to yourself. The manager after the game um, on Friday when they lost, he was like, hey, I don't want to talk about vaccines. I don't want to indoctrinate my players into getting them. If you want to talk baseball, let's talk baseball. If you want to talk politics, you can talk to my medical person. Like, all right. So yeah, it looks you're bad right. on yeah, so yeah, it looks bad on of both course, ends. because it's everything's political right now. If it has anything to do with COVID, it's not a it's not a medical issue. It's a, a it's a politics issue. So that tells can, can me imagine? what I need to know about the manager. But regardless, yeah, it is a very, uh, very frustrating situation all around where it is. There is some level of empathy for NC State, just given the way that the NCAA handled the situation. I mean, imagine if Cole Beasley played for played college baseball. <laughs> you know State. what? Well, here's the thing. Like this should be exhibit a for why athletes should be vaccinated even if there's limited health risk to them like they're almost definitely not gonna die or even be hospitalized or whatever like regardless of what other symptoms and you know long-term effects have happened to guys who have tested positive despite being top athletes we know that if a player tests positive for covid they're not going to be able to play they're going to have to be in you know quarantine isolation for amount of time and it's going to hurt teams they're going to be unavailable we saw it throughout the uh the pandemic in baseball and football and hockey and basketball and like it just it shouldn't be an excuse at this point like it's going to be just a competitive disadvantage and it led to nc state's season ending so i would hope that a lot of other players in other sports see this and be like, I don't want to be that guy who causes our dreams to, you know, not come true and end in a devastating fashion. I'll admit, I've been on the record a couple of times that I get some people's reasoning for not getting the vaccine. And I sort of stand by that, but at the same time, uh, I'm glad that there are enough people in this world that don't think that way and do want this pandemic to end and will take the the risk of and or believe in the science and and get the vaccine yeah much and better so, way to phrase that yeah i, I <laughs> once i was phrasing i'm like take the risk like it's not really that big of a risk uh but yeah i i think i'm glad i'm glad there are enough people that believe in the science and and get the vaccination even if some people won't uh and and, I, and i'll admit i guess another reason why reason why i Say that is because I just don't want to be a Karen. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Oh, how could you not get the vaccine? And like, I'll admit, I don't. I'm not the most qualified person when it comes to to all this. I just want to. I just. I believe. I believe in the sciences, and I just want to get this over with as quickly as possible. The uh, the WNBA's vaccination rate is 99. percent I I noticed that. Yeah. That's uh, that's that should be what a lot of these leagues should be striving for, which feels incredible to think about. Given that, do you think that's political at all? Like for them getting it, or do you think 
No, I think that they were just informed about it and that they're making, you know, a smart decision to protect themselves, protect their teammates, protect, you know, their family, protect the general public and do what they need to do to make sure that they could safely play basketball. The reason why I brought that up is because people have said that because of the amount of people who have in the WNBA who have gotten it, some people have said it's a political thing that they want. Like a political statement? Yeah. I mean, some people have said that. I'm not saying they're right. I'm you know just saying what? people if, have brought it up. If getting the vaccine, like if, if it has to be a political statement, then all right, fine. But at the same time, like it, 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 that just opens up the door to saying that not getting it is a political statement. I, I just think it's it's ridiculous at this point. I don't know. I, I'm frustrated, especially when you hear about the Delta variant starting to spread and like the you know the the world health organization saying that people should go back to wearing masks and stuff and i don't know if the u.s is as bad as a lot of other countries but i i would just hate to go backwards at this point that's what amazes me seeing all these full stadiums uh, in any sport i mean i'm glad that there are full stadiums but we'll be in one other in seeing other countries that like india or mm-hmm. or or whatever I've, there are there are there are other countries that are in much worse spots. Yeah, Brazil, than we are. I think, is still Brazil. That's bad. what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely plenty. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I guess you know we're we're fully vaccinated. We're hopeful that the the science is is gonna, you know, prove true. But there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of concern outside of the U.S. and there's reasons to maybe be a little nervous about it affecting us. Uh, that being said, let's move on. Stay with baseball, but we're going to talk uh, about a different foreign substance. That's not coronavirus, but classic sticky stuff. And the uh, so this weekend, the Red Sox swept the New York Yankees. The now 6-0 and on the season after sweeping them at Yankee Stadium earlier this month. And it's pretty noteworthy in the third final game of this series on Sunday, Garrett Cole, who at times has looked like one of the best pitchers in the world, was completely shelled by the Red Sox. Three early home runs, including the first pitch of the game, a 451-foot moonshot to Rafael Devers, and J.D. Martinez going straightaway center on him. So concerns in yankee land over Garrett concerns <laughs> his giant contract <laughs> capital c yeah. yeah definitely have concerns about him 320 plus million dollars to 252 him? over seven years still owed to, to, a, to a guy who might not be able to who doesn't know how to pitch without the sticky stuff that that could be a little concern i would have just fired Brian Cashman uh, right after that game. I'm surprised he, him and Aaron Boone still haven't. I, I am as well. I know we talked about that when Kenny was on, just like the, how the Yankees fans are ready to, to get get those guys out of town. I, I don't know if they would fire Cashman midseason, but I don't know how Aaron it's, Boone it's, could it, still have a job after the All-Star break. At Steinbrenner point. would have fired him twice by no, now. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible that, like... And when I say Steinbrenner, I mean George. Yeah, George. I know, not Hal. Yeah, obviously Hal's not. Like, it's, I don't know. It's like Brian Cashman has been around for so long and he won all, he was the general manager for all those World Series in like the, you know, the late 90s and then in 2009. And it's just, the ever since then, it's it's just kind of, it's been bad for the Yankees. And it it like, it, it feels like he's 
given he's should have a lifetime contract but at the same time that's such a ridiculous thought and like they, they need to do something and i i hope they continue to keep these guys around because obviously i don't want the yankees to be successful but at the same time it's it's a joke that they continue to have their jobs oh, you, no i'm glad that that they haven't fired them i want them to keep losing but they should the right thing to do would be to fire those guys yeah 40 and 38 they've lost four in a row now because they also lost to the angels uh yeah they're 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 in rough rough shape right now and of course with garrett cole like that you know i'm not gonna say that the pirates won the trade with the astros because even what they were trading at the time a guy with a 426 era coming off a, a pretty mediocre season was still had the potential to be worth way more than neil huntington acquired for him but i don't know it makes me feel a little better that the pirates didn't just like whatever they were doing obviously they weren't doing what the astros were doing which was you know all the spin rate stuff doctoring baseballs and uh, you know, I guess on the one hand, if everyone else is cheating, you kind of want your team to participate. But at the same time, it, it makes the Pirates look a little better, given that the, you know, a lot of the reason why Garrett Cole has been as, as amazing as he's been has been because of his his use to illegal substances. I I have not watched a lot of baseball this year, but I did watch that game where Garrett Cole started and he was awful. He had no control of where the ball was going. He could still throw really hard, but he threw a fastball right down the middle for Devers to hit, like you said, 450-plus feet out of the park. And and then, yeah, he gave up a home run to Kiki as well, first pitch of the game. And even the even some of his strikeouts to the bottom of the lineup, even those pitches didn't look great. I mean, I mean he had plenty of speed on his fastball, but his off-speed stuff, they did not have a... There was no... Not a lot of control and not a lot of movement. On no, his, his spin pitches. rate is his, his levels are way down. It's like the lowest they've been since 2017. So it's, can can you can you sue him? That's that's not. I'm not joking. Like, can can you Yankees? sue him? Yeah. Can you sue Garrett Cole for being that I mean, big of a fraud? I I don't know. I it's 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 kind of tough to think about how this is gonna be viewed down the road because. Everyone turned a blind eye to it. They were just like, yeah, we'll just let these pitchers use all this stuff. Like the hitters are like, oh, yeah, it helps them with their control. It's fine. They juice the baseballs. Now you de-juice the baseballs and it's like, all right, hold up. This isn't even fair. Like why are they allowed to cheat but we're not? So that's why this is becoming a thing now. But the fact that it was just it just ran rampant, there's, we don't know. I've heard as many as like 85% of guys are were doing this stuff. <laughs> it just... Uh, I, I don't know how it's going to look like if you can call out this individual guy because of his giant contract and say that he's he's the problem, he's the poster boy of it because of that. But, yeah, I mean, the Yankees get screwed out of it if he really can't figure it out and learn how to pitch just like a normal person without cheating. I mean, it's it's sad that the only time it's interesting to talk about baseball is when there's a controversy, whether if it's the Astros cheating or... Or that's, this spider tax stuff. Yeah, no, that's fair. We had our first uh, first suspension out of it, Hector Santiago. What are your thoughts right. on? Uh, do you think he actually was using stuff? <laughs> I mean, I don't. My thoughts are either he's lying his ass off, or 
baseball looks really bad in it if he was really only using rosin. Yeah, he said it's just rosin bag and sweat. I don't so, think he was. I I think just based on his his reaction, like the I don't know. It 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 seemed like they're kind of stuck where it's like they already ejected him out of the game the first time it happened. It would look really bad if they didn't actually suspend him. So I think he's kind of getting screwed out of it. And the fact that he's like a, a middle reliever for the Seattle Mariners just makes it more justified rather than if he was like a star. I mean, what was there? What was his reasoning that he was just sweaty? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So he was playing, playing in Chicago on a Sunday afternoon in late June. So I imagine it was pretty hot there and reasonable that he would be sweating. And they, they had the rosin bag out there. It's It's been behind the mound every game for a very long time. So to me, that it seems totally reasonable that he wasn't doing stuff. And it's like... It, it feels crazy to suspended. think that I know, and it, it feels crazy maybe, to think maybe that a guy would still use it, like maybe, after maybe there's cracking down like this. Maybe there's hush money where it's like, hey, we'll give you X number yeah. of dollars if you just if you, you don't make us look bad. Suspension, yeah, yeah, yeah just take a just take a five day vacation. Paid. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's kind of uh kind of silly what's going on. Uh, I. You know what's also absurd? There, there were two positional players yesterday. Yeah, they were checked they for using checked. 60 cell. Two pos- positional players. What are they going to do? Right. <laughs> I mean, Garrett Cole was checked after giving up those home runs for using the 60 stuff. So. That's, not, that's nothing. Why do you need to check him if he yeah, right? just got like, shelled? I know. It's it's uh, it's kind of ridiculous the way that they're trying to enforce this at this point. So I, um, I don't know. I mean, I... I kind of like that the we're trying to clean things up and you know maybe increase offense and stuff but it's uh i think it's a bad look on the pitchers but it's also a really bad look on mlb's part just the way that they've gone about this mid-season so i just hope we don't have all these pitchers like taking their pants off just like freaking out like that which uh, you know on the one hand it's like it's it's on the opposing managers like joe girardi just being ridiculous and max scherzer but at the same time like if you're really like, has it has really been this big of a problem? And you kind of have to expect, it, especially early on, that they're going to try to enforce it and check these guys. I mean, it doesn't look great for baseball, but at the same time, I'm glad that pitchers are now getting exposed and they're just getting, like Garrett Cole or, or Garrett Richards or anyone else named Garrett that <laughs> has used spider tack. Uh, they're all just getting exposed and now don't look like great pitchers whatsoever. I'm not saying every single pitcher, but... A lot of them, and that part I enjoy because I think pitchers, I think baseball players, but especially pitchers, are just the whiniest group of people in in sports. Yeah, uh, dating back to last year with with Blake Snell and that crap, and I don't know. I I find baseball players, but particularly pitchers, not humble at all, and 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 whine constantly, especially Garrett Richards. Was your Blake Snell problem just the the off season stuff with like uh, the that, pay? Yeah, that's all okay. that's I didn't know that. if you meant the the World Series. No, the world. Okay. No, he should have stayed in that <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, okay. I was no, like it confused. has everything to do yeah. with um uh-huh. what he said in the off season. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. Yeah. Um. So, I, I guess we'll see what happens from here if we start seeing more guys actually get caught with this stuff and suspended. But the fact that the first one already is kind of controversial and questionable tells me that it's probably not going to be a, you know, a rampant issue from here. So, uh, I guess real quickly, just to talk about the Pirates, did uh, did you see Max Kranich on Sunday? 
No. Made his major league debut, debut and he threw five perfect innings before uh, having his, his day cut oh. short by rain delay. That, yeah. That's brutal. Yeah, and then after the game, the Pirates optioned him back to AAA. Why? I mean, aren't they one it's, of the worst? Aren't they? Aren't they one of the worst teams? So yeah, no. Just... It was. It's. It's just like a roster move because they're in Colorado now and they needed fresh arms, so it didn't make sense to keep him on the roster. But now he has to be down for ten days. So, I. It sounds like it's only a matter of time before he comes up. And a lot of people are complaining about the optics of it, <laughs> given that you know the guy just threw five perfect innings in his debut and gets sent back down to triple a but it's uh i i understand why they do did do that but it's it's kind of frustrating at the same time just give it out the pirates and their reputation so all right with that let's move on and let's talk some football the european version that is as the euro 2020 is now in the quarterfinal stage with the round of 16 officially wrapping up today. And let's talk about some of these matches and just some of the highlights. Um, so we're just kind of going to go rapid fire here. I'm going to talk about these things. You can add in comments. I'll throw in mine. So on Saturday, June 26th, the first match, Denmark beats Wales 4 to nothing. They continue to rally behind Christian Eriksen after his scary collapse in the uh, opening, their opening match of Euro 2020 a couple weeks ago. As for Wales, the 4-0 loss has Gareth Bale reconsidering his uh, nationality or something. He's sounds like he doesn't want to play for Wales anymore. He doesn't know what his future is. So I... I don't know what that means for him if he's just going to decide to play somewhere else, but there are rumors that he can end up coming to the MLS after playing for Tottenham and Real Madrid recently. So, I mean, that's what great players at near the end of their careers do. If they want to look good, they, they go to the MLS. I mean, I think he's only 31 too, so he'd probably be the best player in the MLS if he joined I mean, now. We saw Beckham go to LA Galaxy, and then we saw what well, Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Ibrahimovic go to I forgot what team he a lot of other guys he also went to the galaxy oh okay he's gone now and then David Villa also played for I think it was New York football club so there there are plenty of 30 year olds that who elite 30 year old players that just go to MLS so they can look elite there even if they're not as good as they used to be yeah, so I think I think it'd be cool if he does end up coming there. Um, I don't really know what to make of his his comments about Wales. He did say like, "Oh no, I'll, I'm going to play for Wales football until the day I die or the day I stop playing." Which like, all right, yeah, start doing those photoshops. He's going to demand a trade to another country soon. Um, I don't even know how that could work. I guess he would just retire internationally at that point. But it would be exciting to see a European star come to America. That's always fun. Uh, the idea of the MLS maybe being somewhat relevant. So, and then the other match, Italy barely beat Austria in extra time, two to one. Are you are you nervous about your pick to win it all, or the team you're rooting for? I mean, not not exactly, but uh, it's cool that they're still in it. Yeah, they uh, they had been playing really well. I think that was their first goal allowed in like eleven matches. So definitely a little scary for them. Uh, they'll be taking on Belgium in the next round, the number one team world rankings-wise who eliminated the defending champs, Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo. So 
always nice. Good for them. Ronaldo go out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was one nothing. Ronaldo did not score. I actually saw a stat. So he had a free kick in the game. Um, did not make it. I, I don't know if it's all international competition, just the Euros or what, but I saw something where he, since like 2004, I want to say, he's had 28 free kicks, four times as many as the next guy, and he hasn't made a single goal. Which is crazy, like for a guy like Ronaldo to go over twenty eight on free kicks in any context. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So Portugal's done. We're gonna have a new champion. And then the other big match on Sunday, uh, my my Czech Republic team upsets Netherlands two to nothing. I actually was at I was at lunch um, at a like a rooftop bar type thing and the game was on in the background, like way over at the bar, small TV. I could barely see it, but I, I could tell there was there was a match going on, and I saw that the score is two nothing. But I didn't realize who was playing, and then all of a sudden, it occurred to me that the team with two was CZE. And I was like, "Wait a sec, that's Czech Republic. They're upsetting Netherlands right now." And then the game ended. I was like, "No way! They just won to go to the quarterfinals." So I'm all in on the Czech Republic at this point. What's what's funny is that I've I've barely watched any soccer at all, but I remember when I was flipping through the channels and soccer was on says Sports Center, it was one nothing Czech Republic uh, yeah. with ten minutes to go, or excuse me, eighty one minutes <laughs> in, yeah, uh, however you want to say it, and then all of a sudden they actually score a goal. I I mean there, <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of soccer games where it takes forever to score, but. 30 seconds into my viewing experience, they actually scored a goal. I'm like, wow. That's always exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's my team. I'm fully in on them. So they, they play their quarterfinals match against Denmark, against the, uh, the Christian Eriksen team. Um, they play Saturday, July 3rd at noon. I'll be watching. I'll be rocking my red, white, and blue for the home country. <laughs> red, white, and blue. Yeah, I'll be saving my red, white, and blue for U.S. for uh, Sunday, July 4th for obvious reasons. But no, you can't I'm, save it I'm for any in. soccer reasons. No, I, no, I don't think I can. Um, and Yeah, so, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this team. I'll be with other Novotnys watching this game, which is also exciting. So we'll, Do they we'll, care or just you? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt they even know. <laughs> like, this is... This is probably the way that most of them are finding out. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll be all in on, on Czech Republic on uh, Saturday at noon. And I'm going to come out and say that. So if, if Czech Republic wins the World Cup, I'm obviously going to buy a jersey, going to be a custom jersey with Novotny on the back. And if I can do it, I'm going to have the, like that little accent over the Y to be really authentic. But I'm also going to officially declare myself as a Czech Republican. Czechian, I don't know how you how you say that officially all in on the Czech Republic side instead of Slovakia. Like I said, that's how I'm going to live my life to this point because I have the the ties to both the Czechoslovakian countries. Whoever is better in the moment in international soccer is going to be the country that I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound good? I kind of want to see this happen now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like, I, I have a, now I have a semi reason to root for them. All right. Yeah, we're all in on Czech Republic. That's... uh. That's the team. Checkmate, Denmark. Uh, all right, let's move on to Monday, which was probably the highest scoring day in the history of soccer for at least only two teams playing because Spain beat Croatia 5-3 to three in extra time, and then Switzerland upsets France 3-3 three to three on penalty kicks. Very exciting day of international European football. This is a random question, but do you think it's dumb that 
if a if a soccer match goes to extra time and and someone scores a goal, do you think it's dumb that they keep playing or do you think that they should keep playing? Like you know how in hockey it's if sudden next death. goal wins, yeah. So, yeah, sudden death overtime, but in in soccer you just keep playing and you can actually sco- still score more goals. Yeah, I know that some tournaments and leagues and stuff play golden goal, but for whatever reason the you know international competitions don't do that. I I think it'd be really fun if it was goal to goal. I think it'd be way more exciting if you didn't have to play those full extra thirty minutes. But I don't know. I I, um, that, I mean I find it way more exciting when yeah. whoever scores next wins. Well, yeah. When I ran the uh, the the FIFA league in college, we played golden goal. So that was always exciting when somebody would score and win it in overtime. And yeah, obviously at this level you don't have that. So. And you end up with two goals scored by Spain in 30 minutes. But, you know, when you score three and 90, I guess, yeah, at that point, you're going to score a ton. They knock out Croatia, who was a semifinal or the runner up in the 2018 World Cup. And of course, the winner of the 2018 World Cup, France, upset by Switzerland. They blew a three to one lead with like, wow. Yeah, with like 10 or 15 minutes to go. It was, it was kind of crazy how they, uh, they just let Switzerland of all teams come back and beat them. And then, of course, how do they lose on penalty kicks? Who's the guy who somehow gets saved on a penalty kick? You never see a save made on a penalty kick. The goalies have no idea where it's going. Who is the guy? Kylian Mbappe, the World Cup hero for France. Oh, nice. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, young kid, like superstar. And uh, he's the one who's the... Uh, I guess the the lasting face. Wonder, it was five to four on penalties. So yeah, like he, I, I he wonder, was the only one who didn't score. What is the strategy if you're a goalie in penalty? Guess, and penalty hope kicks? and pray. Do you just guess. Yeah, just that, I, guess? as far as I know, it's just a straight up guess. Like maybe you have an idea of where a player likes to go. You watch his feet or something. But a lot of times you'll see guys dive completely in the wrong direction, and he just happened to guess right. Which is really silly. It is a really silly concept. This is another thing I I would like to see differently. I would like the ball further back. Yeah, just from midfield. And actually make it a little bit easier for the goalies. I'm not saying that no goals go in, but I don't want to see. I mean, when it comes to penalty kicks, it's just fine it's just one guy whoever the guy that screws up yeah you just one I mean? guy messes up that's that's all it comes down to i remember in uh the first time i was exposed to penalty kicks was in the 2006 world cup final between italy and i think it was france right was that zidane no i, I think that's right italy france. yeah and uh italy won with the one miss on penalty kicks was a guy who knocked it off the crossbar mm-hmm. so yeah, that uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a, I think that's sillier than the uh, not having a golden goal in extra time, just because it's, you know, it's it's luck at that point to to get a stop. So, did you say semifinal or did you say final? That was the final. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was when Zidane headbutted a guy in his last ever game just for fun. Like, what a way to end a career. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, today it's coming home. England knocks off Germany two to nothing, and you know we say it as a joke, but it's starting to seem real that England might actually be able to pull this out when they uh, they knock out the Germans like that. Who I know it's it's far removed from 2014, but still beating them two to nothing is uh, that's no small task. 
Sweet. Yeah. Are you gonna consider yourself an an English person? Oh God, no. Wells, no. no you're not in, in that <laughs> not, at all. No. Okay. Uh, I'm. I'm half Filipino, and then whatever the white side is, I have no idea, and I sort of don't care. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna go on Ancestry.com and find out if I'm fifty percent from England or or just one percent or t- whatever of, of of everything else. I don't know. You might be missing out. If they uh, if they pull this out, now, should uh, I get a custom jersey too? If they, well, they if they pull it out, they did beat Czech Republic when they played in group play, and I think that there's a chance that they would play in the semifinals. Um, but uh, before that, they have to win their round of eight game against Ukraine, who beat Sweden two to one in extra time in the other game. No uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Sweden, so to me, I don't know if they're really all that relevant, but. Big win for Ukraine. Um, unlikely hero scored. Davik. So good for him. Oh, I did see Sweden had a, a red card. So I think that kind of helped Ukraine out. You you mean when the other team loses a player? Yeah, that, that probably yeah, helps. Yeah, right? Like a power play in hockey, except it lasts <laughs> the entire game. So. <laughs> that would be brutal if that's the way hockey works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just You're just stuck with like four guys on the ice. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's our Euro 2020 coverage. I'm sure we'll have more to say uh, after the the quarterfinals. Yeah, and you can tune in for my soccer expertise. I apologize to anyone who tuned into this expecting like real hard hitting analysis of this, but you're apologizing. What about? I mean, like me. Well, no, I tried. I was the one who suggested talking about this. Yeah, and I'm the one that could barely try when it comes to soccer. Hey, we went we talked about every single match, so I'll I'll give us credit for that. Yeah, and I, uh, and I, I just end up questioning rules instead yep, of hey, talking anyway, about the that players. That was that was talking soccer. So, all right. Are you uh officially predicting Italy to win it all still? Yeah, let's all go. Right, cool. I um I'm keeping my can, Wait, my wait, answer. actually serious question. Can what? can the Czech and Italy meet in the finals? I actually think so. This? Okay. Well, I don't know how it works because Italy plays their their quarterfinal game on Friday and Czech Republic plays on Saturday. So I assume that the two Friday winners play and then the two Saturday winners play. Yeah, I would imagine that. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. So in that case, that would mean that Czech Republic, if they win, would face the winner of England-Ukraine and Italy would be their you know finals opponent if Italy survives Spain and Spain-Switzerland winner. And they also have to beat some. Who's the eighth team? I I have the window open. Let me just check. So Italy plays. Had, oh no! I closed it. I had the all window right. open for for all that time, and the one the, the moment I closed it. Who does Italy play? <sighs> we need. We can't just leave it at that. Italy soccer. Is it like Croatia. July second. No, Croatia. Oh, Belgium. That's right. The number Belgium, one team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I remember they beat uh they beat the US L- in twenty fourteen in the World Cup, if you remember that. Yeah, um vaguely, but that's not surprising because Belgium's really good. So and the US really sucks <laughs> as well. Uh, we were decent in twenty fourteen. They, they, they can't even qualify now, so yeah. yeah. Well they still they do suck. They still a chance. The men's team. The women's team is great. Yeah, I know. We're definitely talking about the men's team if we're saying that US soccer sucks. So Anyway, that'll uh, that'll wrap up the sports talk. Let's move on and let's talk our top five. And July 1st, Canada Day, 
Shout out to our neighbors from the north. I'm a big fan of Canada, so I I do love the idea of celebrating them with a top five where we're going to count down our favorite movies that were filmed in Canada. And a lot of these movies are, they take place in the U.S., so you might be very surprised to find out. Uh, So with that, let's, uh, let's get to our top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so... I'll um I'll get us started with this one. And my my number 5 is Scary Movie. And uh we talked about this around Halloween time when we did a top 5 scary movies or horror movies whatever Halloween related movies and I'm not a fan of horror. So to me a comedy about scary movies is perfect. I love the scary movie film franchise in particular the first one which is mostly a parody of Scream. And I don't know if they explicitly say where it takes place in the, uh, at least in the first film, but it was filmed in Vancouver, or at least in the, you know, the British Columbia, Vancouver area. So definitely counts here. And I wanted to make sure I include that in my list at number five. So for my top five list, my top four are all going to be serious movies, but I wanted to put in one, probably stupid movie that I enjoy a lot. And for my number five, I went with Mean Girls, which stars Lindsay Lohan. And she's she, in the movie, her character is a 16-year-old who lived in Africa and moved to the U.S. The setting in the movie takes place in Evanston, Illinois, but it was filmed in Toronto, which I had no idea it was until... Uh, earlier today which is pretty cool anyone who's seen that movie i'd imagine most people enjoy it just it's not a quality movie <laughs> it's not it's, like an oscar it's no, not a stupid movie it's it, it's kind of a stupid it's 84 percent on rotten tomatoes it is right. far from a stupid movie it's my number four my number four is mean girls and i didn't put it on as a joke movie i put it on because i think it's a legitimately great entertaining movie I mean, I know I think it's great and funny and entertaining, but like, is it ex- exactly an Oscar-worthy film? No, but I don't know that every movie. Although Oscar-worthy films Oscar suck, so yeah, right, <laughs> most like of them suck. So maybe no. It is it is an entertaining comedy film. You know, high school. You have Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams. They're they're great in it. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. It's a star-studded cast. And Rachel McAdams is. Is a sweetheart in every, every single movie except this, except yeah, this Reg- one. Regina George. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I so what, I'm a big fan of Mean Girls. I have no consti- shame putting it as my number four. What constitutes as a stupid movie then? Stupid movie would be okay. Here's one that was filmed in Canada that I would say is a stupid movie: Blades of Glory. Neither of us have us have that in our top five because it's a stupid movie. We're willing to acknowledge that. You know, it's, yeah, I, that's a st- it's a stupid movie. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Dodgeball is that a do- is that a stupid movie or is yeah that that's fun- that's a stupid movie but that wasn't filmed in Canada otherwise it would well, be I, my I just top wanted five. to bring it up like what what <laughs> constitutes as a stupid movie? You're gonna take movie. a cheap shot of Dodgeball for no reason? No, Dodgeball is one of my favorite comedies. I'm but I'm just but it's a stupid movie. Yeah, I um I reviewed that on Affable Chat like shortly I remember after that. the uh yeah the top I, five. I, I listened uh, to that episode. Yeah, greatest mistakes. I did listen to that one recently. I was like ah yeah, oh, yeah. my quality 2018 not great, not great, but. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Mean Girls is one of many movies that take place in Chicago, but was actually filmed in Toronto, uh, including the musical Chicago. So I don't know why, uh, you know, Toronto is able to get away with that. Um, but yeah, this uh, that's why this is on the list. So number four, Mean Girls. All right. So for my number four, I went with probably the not only my favorite hockey movie, but I don't even know another hockey movie that I that I actually like. And Mighty Ducks. Movie... All right. Never mind. You got you got me. Touche. <laughs> my the Mighty Ducks I do like, but the hockey movie that is in my top five that was filled in Canada is the movie Miracle, and which obviously is a story about the. 1980 U.S. Winter Olympics hockey team where they obviously show the story of how they came together as a team and and all the ups and downs and, of course, beating the the Soviets in the game known as Do You Believe in Miracles that Al Michaels refers it as. It's a great movie. Yep, yep. And that's my number three, I guess, continuing with a little trend here. Uh Really big fan of Miracle. I'll always enjoy watching it. And I I was very surprised to see that it wasn't actually in Lake Placid and that it was in Vancouver. Even Madison Square Garden. It wasn't actually Madison Square Garden. It was some arena in British Columbia where it was fun. Yeah, I never knew that as well until recently. Yeah, pretty interesting how many movies that take place in the U.S. are like secretly filmed in Canada. So, but they're able to get away with it, so... But yeah, I agree with you. Miracle, fantastic movie. Uh, big fan of hockey, and you know, obviously love this story with the the unlikely nineteen eighty U.S. Olympics gold medalist. All right, so for my number three, it's another sports movie, uh, and this is for boxing. Boxing movies are always great, but if I had to pick one boxing movie that is my number one favorite boxing movie, it's Cinderella Man, and that. Uh, stars Russell Crowe and Paul Giamatti and Renee Zellweger. Uh, terrific movie. Sort of a tearjerker, uh, not going to lie. It definitely has a very emotional ending. And it takes place during the Great Depression. And it's a and the Russell Crowe's character is a, a boxer who who's, who's kind of a washed up, but he actually makes a, a big comeback and uh, becomes is on a journey or a quest to become heavyweight champion of the world. And it's a terrific movie and it's probably, probably my favorite boxing movie. I would say if I can only pick one, even over the Rocky movies and even Creed as well. I watched it at one point, like, you know, 15 years ago when it came out, I don't remember if I even watched the whole thing. I can't even picture what the ending was, but yeah, I guess that's a good review. Maybe need to give it another look. I've never been a huge boxing fan, so I think See, that's the thing part is, of the I'm reason. not a, I am not a boxing fan whatsoever when it comes to the sport. But when it comes to movies, I really enjoy boxing movies. Pretty much all the Rocky movies I enjoyed, and then and Creed. And I did I like hear, the first Rocky. So yeah, the, yeah. Out of all the Rockies, I think the the first one's the best. And I don't then, think I've seen any others. The, in their the, I didn't care for the fighter. I think that's what it was called with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, I did see that one. Yeah, I didn't. I, that was the one. I kind of liked it because it took place in Lowell. Yeah, it's, like, it's, <laughs> I don't I know. Mean, that's like a reason to love a movie. No, like, I mean, the I didn't care for it. One of the reasons why I didn't care for it was because I thought Christian Bale's character, Mark Wahlberg's brother in the movie, was just such an idiot. But 
Yeah, that's that, that's totally fair. I mean, but that's also a movie that I've only seen once, and it was like a decade ago or whatever, or yeah, whenever Mickey it came Ward. out. So maybe yeah. I need to give that movie another shot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't go based off of my vague recollection of it. <laughs> uh, by the way, breaking news, Trey Young officially ruled out for game four. Oh, now, it, now it's definitely over. Yeah, yeah, definitely like Milwaukee's chances now. Uh, I already did like Milwaukee's chances, though, so... Uh, anyway, uh, so my my number two is not your number three. We are bucking that trend now. My number two is Catch Me If You Can, which is... It, so it takes place in a lot of different places throughout the country. It was filmed in a lot of different places, but they don't explicitly say that it ever took place in Montreal and other parts of Quebec, but it was have did have some scenes filmed there. Uh, so this is fantastic movie another one just star-studded tom hanks leo dicaprio a young leo dicaprio in 2002 it also has uh christopher walken who is nominated for best supporting actor i think he actually might even won and uh john williams did the score that also received an oscar nomination so really fun movie about uh you know young leo dicaprio's character frank abengale jr just being able to uh, con his way to millions of dollars as a 18-year-old kid pretending to be a pilot, a doctor, a lawyer, and uh, Tom Hanks plays the uh, this FBI special agent who tries to take him down. So catch me if you can. Really great one. That comes in at number two for me. So for my number two, I went with First Blood, which is the first Rambo movie starring... Uh, Sylvester Stallone, and the setting for the movie, it's it's a small town, and I think, I don't even know exactly where uh, in the U.S., but it actually is filmed in British Columbia, which, I again, another movie I never knew uh, was filmed there until now, and it's a great, great movie. Probably my favorite Sylvester Stallone movie, even over Rocky One. Uh, and I, the, the Rambo movies are all... I think they're all they're decent, but the first one is for sure my favorite, and I, and I think it's, I think it's everyone else's favorite, just given the ratings of of the rest of them compared to First Blood and uh, Brian Dennehy, the cop in the movie, uh, is also does a great job, and I don't know, it's a very very entertaining, lot of action, and I definitely would recommend it for anyone who hasn't seen, it. even though it was shot in the nineteen eighties. It still lives up to the hype. I um, so I I didn't know what this was at first. I had no idea that the Rambo movies weren't actually called Rambo. Well, the I think the second and third one maybe. Yeah. I think... So they did retitle it to be Rambo First Blood and Rambo First Blood Part Two. But when it originally came out, it was just First Blood. Yeah. Interesting. I think I think Indiana Jones is the same way. I think it was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Temple first of one. the Doom. Yeah, well, and then they started to rename it Indiana Jones and so. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, and Rambo movies are some that I've I've actually never seen, um, but I I do understand people loving those, especially, uh, especially if you're, you're a like Vietnam the, yeah, War veteran. You're, you're, you love definitely... blood and gore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, makes sense. Um, all right, and then my number one. Uh, this is a movie that I've definitely talked about on this podcast before. That is Goodwill Hunting, which 
had no idea wasn't actually filmed in Boston, but it does take place or in Boston, despite being filmed in Toronto, which I guess is a major backdrop for a lot of these, you know, U.S. cities that just pretend to to be when it's really Toronto. But you know, this fantastic movie. Love uh, the late Robin Williams' performance in this. Matt Damon as well. Just a all around awesome movie, and you know the fact that it takes place in Boston references the Red Sox certainly help my my love of this one. But you know that being said, I think that anyone can really enjoy it regardless of where they're from. So, so for my number one, it was your number two, and which is Catch Me If You Can, and this isn't my number one favorite Tom Hanks movie as someone that is a huge Tom Hanks fan, but it is my number one favorite. Leonardo DiCaprio movie and like you said it stars him as Frank Abagnale Jr. working as a doctor lawyer co-pilot uh all even before his 18th birthday aren't you kind of jealous of all that stuff I know he's a criminal before his 19th birthday but yeah our 19th birthday I mean isn't that isn't that kind of cool that he's that smart at that Right at that age, being able to just you know forge checks like that it it is a really interesting story it's based on a real story yeah I love yeah. the part where uh, this is a semi spoiler, but I'm, do you remember the part where he pretends to be a substitute teacher? Yeah, yeah, then, early in the movie. Yeah, and then his parents are talking with the principal. And it's like your son set up a field trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when they walk out, Frank Abagnale Sr. he looks at him and then just 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 gives a little chuckle. I love yeah. that scene. And, I know. And then obviously the rest of the movie as well. Yeah, well, I um, hand up. I actually watched it for the first time last night. Because, oh wow! Yeah, I heard I heard about this movie before, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, "That we, sounds fun." And we, I saw it was very critically acclaimed, so I was like, "I need to watch this and see where it falls on my list." And I quickly bumped it up to number two. We, we uh, not just us two, but us two and a bunch of other people. I remember we were playing online poker once. And I'm, I don't know if it was you or someone else, but someone brought up, like, what's your favorite DiCaprio movie? And I remember bringing up Catch Me If You Can. Uh, as I don't my remember favorite. that I, conversation I, happening. But I, I do feel like I've heard a lot of references to it recently. Like the, the Mickey Mantle thing. You know, why do the Yankees always win? Not because of Mickey Mantle. It's because the other the team pinstripes. just can't stop staring at the pinstripes. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I'd heard that phrase before, and I don't think I realized that it was Catch Me If You Can. So I thought that was kind of cool being a you know baseball fan. But yeah, really good movie. I definitely recommend it to anyone, um, you know, given that I just watched it last night and it instantly made my top five. So That's not the first time where one of us has watched a movie <laughs> the night before. No. And then no, we actually put it on a we actually put it I remember I watched a quiet place when we did Halloween movies. Yeah. Well I was the same movies. way with um uh, baseball, uh, a league of their own. I was the same way with that one. Whereas, like, I'd watched a bunch of others. Like, I, I made a whole movie marathon day out of it, but that was the one where I was like, I feel like I need to watch this before doing my list. And I te- so. and I texted you, I think it was last week, where, uh, I mean, I've watched Moneyball before, but it was yeah, a while right. since I watched it. But then I, I watched that and 42 again, and I'm like, yeah, I, Moneyball's a much better movie than 42. So I would, yep. I would, uh, I would still keep the other four movies that I had ahead of it, but I would definitely put it fifth because even though baseball is not as great, the 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 con or the concept or the ideas that Billy Bean and uh, 
and Jonah Hill's character. I forget Peter Brandt. Well, I know he's not a real name, but uh, Peter Brandt in that movie. Yeah, like, I don't know what the, the the guy in real life was. Yeah, but but I mean, the quote that stood out to me in that movie was, "If we play like the Yankees in here, we're gonna lose to them out there." Which is like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. So yeah, mm-hmm. you have to think outside the box, and you have to come up with other ways to win. Yep. Yep. Great movie. A lot of other great movies we've talked about. I guess you did mention honorable mentions. One that I thought was not just going to make your list, but your number one, Titanic, which was filmed in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. It's sort of a chick flick, but it is a great movie. Uh, Isn't it? I guess I, way I didn't want to put. I didn't want to put two Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Yeah, in, that's. I guess that's as fair. well. Yeah, I mean, and I do like the other four. I mean, the other the top four that I had in my list, like. I like all those four more. And then Mean Girls, I know is not as quality of a movie as Titanic, but I'm I actually was probably more arguably more entertained by that than yeah. than Titanic. I, I mean I like I, I've seen Titanic. I, I guess I like it, but yeah, I wouldn't put it in my top five. I, I don't know. I don't love it. It, it is an honorable mention, but yeah. I don't want Catch Me If You Can is a much better movie. Um another but Titanic one that is I, really it, it, yeah. it's kind of yeah like i said it's kind of chick sign it's up, a sort of a chick flick but it is, like, it is I, a it's good not movie. A, i don't think it's a chick flick i think it's or no wait it's not even a rom is it is it a comedy i think maybe okay maybe not some... chick flick is not the right word yeah phrase, i wouldn't call but, it a I mean, chick it, flick but it's corny is that the right word i don't even know yeah i mean i guess kind of it's, it's a, a love it's a love story yeah like yeah um i actually i think the Notebook was also filmed in Canada. I feel like I See, saw the thing that. Is, I have I've only seen parts of it. I haven't seen it start to finish. I've I've definitely seen it. I, but I, I noticed that when I was when yeah. I was looking up. Um, one movie that I I was close to putting on my list. Um, I ended up going with a scary movie just ahead of it. She's the man. Yeah, she's the man was also yeah one that I was considering. I think that one was filmed in Toronto. I'm trying to look in their the Wikipedia page. It's not really mentioning that. Um, and then some other movies that I think a lot of people would probably put in their top five, but I've never seen one. The Final Destination series, I, I haven't I've seen, seen parts it. of it. Kind yeah. of freaks me out. I don't really want to watch them start to finish. Yeah, I think I'm kind of the same way with that. And then um, Brokeback Mountain. That's a very <laughs> yeah, very well recognized. Uh, I know a lot of I Oscar know the two actors, but I don't want to watch the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll end up catching that one. Um, but yeah, that one, despite taking place in Montana, was filmed in, I think, somewhere in Alberta, which like you can kind of get away with mountains. You'd say that's wherever you want it to be. So, um, oh, It was Wyoming, not Montana. But anyway, yeah, they uh, there's a lot of films out there that are they take place in the U.S., but they were filmed in Canada. So... Uh, you know, big shout out to them. Happy Canada Day to any Canadians listening to this. You know, those those who celebrate here in the U.S., you know, drink some Canada Dry or, you know, Canadian Club Whiskey. I, I did, I've done that before on Canada Day. That's why I'm specifically saying that. So, all right, that'll wrap up this week's episode. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you and I will actually be recording an episode together in person most likely next week for the first time in two years. So that's very exciting. We'll talk about Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals, and probably the match for, you want to make your prediction? Uh, Brady and Phil got to get redemption. 
All right. I mean, I I don't really have a prediction for that one, but we'll, we'll probably talk I, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to root for either Bryson or Brady, so I got to, you know, pick one. Figure out if you're going to root not for Aaron Rodgers I mean, it's, it's like a five <laughs> o'clock on a Tuesday. I don't have to watch that. But anyway, that'll do it. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Good night, Canada. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,